0: Hi everyone, my name's Charlene and I'm going to be carrying on with our series called Exalted. And it's my privilege today to um, speak to you about Psalm 96. Um, And I don't know if you love the Psalms, but I love the Psalms. I often flick back to the Psalms and read Psalms that encourage me. They kind of connect with my heart and and always go away feeling encouraged after I read the Psalms. Um, And the Psalm we're looking at today is a great Psalm, Psalm 96, which is known as a missionary Psalm or song. It's about the Great Commission song it's known as, which is basically uh, referring to the fact that the song is proclaimed claiming um, us to sing songs to the nations and tell the nations of who our God is. It's also known as one of the enthronement songs, which is a group of psalms um, Uh, from Psalm 90 to Psalm 106. And lastly, the last bit of the Psalm is known as the second coming Psalm. And uh, that refers to Jesus coming back. So God coming back and redeeming um, creation and us gathering around the throne and singing praises to him. So I wanna encourage you after this message, maybe this week you wanna keep looking back at Psalm 96. Just ask the Holy Spirit to highlight things to you, ask him to encourage you with words of truth that is really um, worth revisiting. Uh, during the week. So all of that to say, let's have a look at Psalm 96 together.
1: Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord. an offering come into his courts worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness tremble before him all the earth say among the nations the Lord reigns yes his world is established it will not be moved and he will judge the peoples with equity so let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice let the sea roar and all that fills it and the field exalt and everything in it then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the lord for he comes for he comes for he comes to judge the world with righteousness and all the people with his faithfulness.
0: What a proclamation. This is a song full of praising and singing and ascribing glory to God. There are widening circles that are happening in the song. First um, it speaks to the people of God. Then he talks to the people of the earth and then David talks to creation itself. Worship is all about Jesus. It's for his name and it's for his fame and I'm going to spend the first bit of this talk talking about how we are called to worship and how we can worship and worship often we think of singing it can be more than just singing there's many ways to worship but I'm going to focus on that this morning and and one of the um, fun things that I was uh, reading about when I was doing this talk was that God sings over us I don't know if you knew that But God actually sings over us. Your father sings over you. And if you turn to Zephaniah 3, verse 17, it should come up. Um, I'm reading from the NRV version. It says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God the father sings over his children. He sings over us to comfort us. He sings over us to calm us. And he sings over us to rejoice over us. And I don't know about you, Um, If you maybe um, remember as a child or if you have done this as a parent, but I'd often sing over my children. I'd sing make-up songs. I mean, they they wouldn't let me do it now because they're a bit older and they just laugh at me. But I'd sing songs over them, sing songs about them, what I loved about them. And even my mom used to do that over Skype. She would sing songs, especially to Caitlin. And there was something that would um, create a stillness in them as they would just... Kind of stop and lean in and listen. And then they'd go again and again and again. And um, yeah, it's just something beautiful. It demonstrates such int- intimacy. And even now, my daughter Caitlin, if she's ever um, struggling to go to sleep or feeling fearful at night, she'll always ask, Mommy, can I please put some worship music on? And yeah, that's what the father is like when he sings over us. He's just a good, loving, kind Father. And did you know Jesus sa- sings? And um, if we look in the Bible, in Matthew 26, verse 27 to 30, Jesus is at the last supper with his disciples. He knows what lies ahead of him. He's, um, He's broken bread. And it says, let's read in um, verse 30, it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went up to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus, knowing what is before him, knowing that this is the most challenging thing he will ever face on earth, knowing that he's about to sacrifice his life, takes time to sing a hymn. He takes time to worship the Father and proclaim who he is in that moment. And he's fixing his eyes just before he goes to pay the ultimate price for us, which is to give his life for our sins. The Holy Spirit sings. He sings through us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 5 verse 19, it says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then speaking to each other, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with their heart. So God, the Father, God, the Son and the Holy Spirit loves to sing. They love to sing over us, through us and with us. It makes sense if the Trinity loves to sing that we should sing. Join in with the singing as the Psalmist has said over and over in the Psalms that we are called to sing. We are called to be worshippers of the living God. We are called to be those that adore and worship and pour out our hearts to our heavenly Father. We are called to worship Jesus, not just to be great singers. It's not like we come together or we're, you know, we're kind of practicing to be on Pop Idol or Britain's Got Talent. We're singing because it's an offering. It's a sacrifice. Our worship is an offering and a sacrifice to our Father that God loves when we sing. He welcomes our praise and our praises welcome him. In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, Yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. And God inhabits the praises of his people. He loves it. He loves it when we gather, when we sing together, when we sing on our own, when we worship, when we pray, when we read the word of God, when we we declare and proclaim who he is back to him. And it's not just about us saying words or singing songs for the sake of it. Worship is something that happens in our heart. But sometimes even when we don't believe those words, we need to repeat them over and over until something happens in our heart. A transaction happens where what we're saying becomes true to us. In our heart that truth takes root and the faith that's in us rises up knowing that what we're saying is true and we believe it and he is good and he is God and he's worthy of our praise. Worshiping is not just a head thing, it's a heart thing. It's about our emotions connecting with the Father. It's about our passions being stirred. We sing and we worship because It's the overflow of what he's put in us. Now, I'm not saying you should be like David. And if you know anything about David, you know, he was a radical worshipper. There were times where he took clothes off. There were times where he played a harp. Um, And I'm not saying we have to do all those things. But what I'm saying is that we are called to be those that proclaim the goodness of God in our lives. And that only comes from an awareness and a relationship and a knowing of who God is, of knowing his love and knowing his grace. Um, And we are never gonna exhaust worshiping. That's what we are called to do in eternity. Because the more we know God, the more we know know his goodness and the more we know um, what to proclaim and what to celebrate because he's just unending in his goodness and his holiness and his worthiness. In Lamentations 3 verse 23, it says his mercies are new every day. Now, I know life is challenging. You know, we've been through a hectic few or couple of years, uh, a hectic season. I know many people are feeling weary. I know that many people are struggling to kind of stir up hope and faith. But the Bible says that his mercies on you every day. And even on your darkest day, you get to sing a new song. Even in your darkest day, you get to know his goodness and his love and his mercy. That receiving his love and his mercy and proclaiming is all an active position It comes out of relationship with him, it comes out of conversation with him. And as we connect with him more and more and receive his grace and love, a new song will come through us. I love what Spurgeon says, he says, "'A new song, always new, keep up the freshness of your praise, do not drivel down into dull routine. We have new mercies to celebrate, therefore we must have new songs. Do not drivel down into dull routine.' Has your relationship with Jesus become quite dull? Does it feel routine? Does it feel lacking in connection and love? Maybe a good place for you to start is in a place of worship, in a place of declaring who he is today. So the essence in Psalm 96 is a call to worship God in the beauty of his holiness. God is holy. Holiness means set apartness. And God is holy and we are not. And the, the difference is, is that he is good. He's not only good, he's the source of good. He is holy. He's he's perfectly moral. He's perfectly good. He's perfectly kind. He does not lie. He is perfection and he is holy. And we can never be holy because we're sinful, but we worship a God who is holy. And because of Jesus, we can come into his presence. I love that the prophet Isaiah declares in Isaiah 63, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now you might have heard when things get repeated in the Bible, they're meant to be emphasised, they're quite important. So what Isaiah is saying is God is really, really, really holy. (laughs) And we are not. And God in his goodness, who is the source of goodness, invites us in and receives our worship and receives our praise. His goodness doesn't change and his goodness towards us doesn't change. God doesn't need anything from us. He's not lacking in anything, but he invites us to bring what we have, to bring our hearts and to bring our offerings of praise and worship. Often we come to uh, corporate gatherings with the kind of thinking of, oh, I'm here to receive, I'm here to receive a good message, I'm here to receive a good worship set, I'm here to receive and be imparted to. I've just come here to get. But actually what David is saying in this Psalm is that we are called to give unto Him. We're called to give Him our time, our attention, our worship, our surrender, our heart, our resources. That worship is an act of giving to God. And in Psalm, verse, Psalm 40, verse 3, it says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. We're not only called to read and sing the Psalms, but we are called to show the Psalms. We are called to be a two-legged walking Psalm. <laughs> um, I love a story I heard the other day was of a, um, a man who brought his mother to church. She didn't speak any English she didn't understand what was happening, but the son still brought her, he was a Christian. And after the service, the mother said to the son, won't you please bring me back? Won't you please bring me back? Because there was something I experienced of the presence of God when those people were singing together. Isn't it beautiful that our worship ushers in the presence of God, that our worship demonstrates what our hearts are feeling, which is love towards the Father. And that in itself is a testimony to those who see it and hear it. What if the way we worshiped preached? (laughs) What if we would be saying something by the way we worshiped? What does our worship say to those around us? What if somebody walks in who doesn't know Jesus, but sees us worshiping, pouring out our hearts to the Father for the first time? What does it say about our hearts to them? And what does it say about the God we serve? This new song that God puts on our heart is so powerful. It strengthens our faith. It glorifies Jesus. It comforts those in need. It is full of power because praise is powerful. We are singing of what Christ has done. In Psalm 42 verse eight, it says, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime at night, in his, at, and in the night his songs so will be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. It's in those night moments that we get to cry out to God that God never leaves us or forsakes us. I want to speak to you about why God deserves our praise. I love that, David speaks about God as the one true Lord of heaven and earth and maker of all things. And now in the time that the song was written, there were loads of deities were recognized. Every nation had a God and claimed that they had all sovereignty. I think the Babylonians had Marduk as their God. He was the God of um, agriculture and storms. Basically, they would melt things down, make things, build things, create idols and make them their gods and give them loads of powers, Um, which seems mad. It seems mad to us now in our rationale, like why would you imagine crocheting a teddy bear and then making that teddy bear a god? But the the reality is, is actually there's idols that we've created in our own life. Anything that takes a place of a heart that is surrendered to worship, anything that stirs our affections away from God, anything that captures our time and our attention more than the Father does is an idol in our life. So as irrational as it might seem, maybe it's time to look at our own lives and say, are there things that are drawing our attention away from God? It could be your job, it could be social media, it could be how many likes you get, it could be a chasing after money, it could be anything, anything that replaces the place of God in your heart, a place of worship for God in your heart is an idol. I'm going to throw out something that's quite hard to hear, but what if we can end up worshiping the worship experience rather than God? Do we worship God for the worship experience? The happy, the good music, the look at me, I'm holy, or are we worshiping God? (laughs) I'm just going to leave that thought with you. David writes about Yahweh, how he deserves worship from the entire earth. Not only are we worshiping God, but because he's creator, but also because of who he is and his character. He's the, he is the creator of the heavens and there is nothing that compares to God. There is no one who compares to God. He is great and powerful and he's marked by strength and beauty. And, and I love that those two words, strength and beauty, because if we, if we want to see a picture of strength and, be- and beauty, we look at the life of Jesus, who is the greatest expression of strength and beauty in God. We look at his life, Jesus's life, his teaching, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and we see the fullness of strength and beauty in God. Has your affection of what God has done in your heart and your own salvation transferred into a passion of telling people about it? I'm going to say that again. Has the affection of what God has done in your own heart and your own salvation transferred into a passion of telling people about it? Has your heart been so stirred by God that you were saved from being dead in sin? Has it stirred into passion to tell the ends of the earth? that God reigns and that he has love for them. This is our mission. David says, don't let us stop until we tell the whole world. Don't let us stop until we tell the whole world. I love that we are called to sing songs, but those songs get transferred into a passion to the world, (laughs) that they get to see Jesus through us. We're coming to a landing, but I just want to leave you with a provoking thought and that is when psalm 96 was written many the crazy thing is many of what is said in there would have appeared untrue to those that have spoke to those that have spoke them if you know the story of the israelites you would know that they were uh, the people of judah were constantly at the mercy of enemies they were slaves in egypt they were delivered from egypt going to the promised land, but then they struggled with the Philistines, the Edomites, the Ammonites, and the Moabites. And eventually they were destroyed and exiled again. So in this um, context, we see that these people have suffered. They're following God, but they've suffered. They seem insignificant, even when um, David and Solomon were on the throne, compared to the empires of the day, they were still quite small. And so these are the people that were declaring God is to be feared above all. (laughs) But there is something powerful about what they understood. No matter what the circumstances were, and this is what David is saying in this, no matter how small and insignificant you feel, no matter what the challenges are, no matter what your history is, no matter what you've been through, that God reigns and his promises are true. That this is not false truth or false hope, but these are the promises that God has for us. That when we see Him and know Him and understand Him, we, we know whatever we're facing right now, no matter how weary or hopeless we feel right now, He is still a holy God. He is still a worthy God. And He works all things together. I think it says in Romans eight twenty-eight, and we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God to them who are called according to His purpose. There is nothing miserable or depressing about this psalm. The psalm does not ask it's listeners to be passive. It asks them to sing, to bless, to tell and declare. David is saying, Have hope. <laughs> no matter what's happening, no matter what battle you're facing, have hope because God is the only true God. He's all powerful, He's all victorious. Worship God with all your heart, asking for songs in the darkness. Of the night. Worship God because that invites his presence into your life. Worship God because worship is warfare. Worship God because as we worship God it opens the eyes of our hearts to who he really is and he is victorious and he is overcomer and he is powerful. Worship God because he is worthy to be praised and adored.